you're listening to the Social Hub Podcast, a place where we give small brands the skills and know-how to master all their social media, digital and content marketing. I'm your host, Stacey Cranich, mum, champagne drinker and self-confessed karaoke queen. Join me in a journey of real conversations and meaningful messages that will help you grow in your business and life so you can have the most epic version of both. If you have a big vision and are ready to shine, then grab a cuppa or a cocktail and listen in. Hey there, beautiful, and welcome to the Socials with Soul series. This is a three-step roadmap that I have created to help you build purpose-driven socials that will grow a wildly engaged audience and consistent stream of amazing clients without any icky sales tactics. I ran this as a free three-day challenge recently in my free Facebook group, the Social Media 101 Society, and it was an absolute hit. I highly recommend that you listen to all three episodes in this series as what it's going to teach you is, and I'll go through each of the steps with you now. Step one, being searchable and sought after so that you can find the fast track to being someone that is searchable on social media, someone people share and someone that people seek so that you don't have to hunt down followers anymore. They'll come to you. Step two is being binge worthy so you can tap into your audience's real needs and desires so you can create the most juicy content that they will pour over and will have them running to be first in line to buy from you. And step three is being transactable with my soul driven social sales system to help you connect the dots to create a social selling roadmap that is so authentic, it won't even sound like you're selling. Now, if you love what you learn in these next three episodes, in this three episode installment, and you want to continue this conversation with me and learn more about this, then I highly recommend you head over and check out my social media coaching and mentorship program, The Social Collective. This is where I help you expand on all of these things and become a standout online brand using social media so that you can have the thriving business that you deserve. Check it out over on my website at all the W's, the forward slash courses and navigate to the social collective. If you decide to join us, we have welcome post with your name on it waiting inside. Enjoy the series. All right. So who's here today? Let me know that you're here as you're jumping in. Um, and if you're watching the replay, type in hashtag replay. Amazing conversation. Um, that was going on in the thread for yesterday's live, um, which was day one of Socials with Soul, um, which was all around being um, searchable. So we're talking about being searchable and sought after. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome, the conversation. So I'm really looking forward to today's content. I was just writing out some notes before and, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about it because um, the concept of being binge-worthy or having bingeable content, I'm kind of going to go a little bit into the theory of why that's so important and why that works so much on social media these days and give a little bit of theory around it. And then I'm also going to talk about how to you know, put some tangibility around it in terms of what can you actually do 
Like what are some of the things you can do so that you can actually create content that makes people want to stay on your profile and consume more of your content. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be super fun. So let me know as you're jumping in, let me know that you're here, say hello. Um, and if you're watching the replay back, just type in replay and it will prompt me to come back and, um, prompt me to come back and say hello. And if you've got any questions or anything, um, definitely, um, pop them in the comments as well. So I'll get started. So first of all, I just wanted to talk a little bit about just kind of recap what we spoke about yesterday. So yesterday's content was all around being searchable and sought after. And what we went through was a very different way of looking at it than you may have been kind of exposed to before, which was not around so much like keywords and hashtags and all those sort of things of how to be searchable but how to actually tap into what makes you special and what makes you someone that your audience is going to want to follow. What's going to make you someone that people will want to share, that people will want to talk about um, and that your audience will want to buy into. So that was the conversation that was going on um, in yesterday's day one. And it's a really great foundational place to start because day one's all about you right? Day one is all about you. It's all about what your superpower is, what your unique value proposition is to your audience, what makes you special, what makes you someone that people will want to buy into. Now, today, um, the topic is being binge worthy or being bingeable. And today's is more around your audience. So it's more about them, right? It's more around your audience, um, what makes them tick, and why you and how, why and how you want to and be able to get people onto your profile and have them stay there for as long as possible right and why that works so well from the content marketing space and then tomorrow we'll be talking about your selling system and authentic sales um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that before I close off today and that is really about tomorrow is about bridging that gap so it's about bridging the gap between um, you and your audience and how to, you know, get them to that point that they want to buy from you or at least make the decision around whether you're someone that they want to buy from. Um, and because, you know, oh, that's what we're in business for. We're in business to, you know, to, to sell products, services or something that we can teach people. Cool. All righty. So first of all, why it, Why would you want to be binge-worthy? Like why would you even want people to binge on your content? So the reason why that works on social media so well is because content marketing is king. Content marketing is 100% king on social media. The platforms are built for it basically. So the platforms like Facebook and Instagram are... 100% a place for rotating content. They're a place for continual content sharing. Um, they're a place where you build a con uh, this long-term continual relationship and conversation with your audience. Because the nature of the platforms, because Facebook and Instagram are designed as social platforms where people connect with each other, that is why it works so well. That's why content marketing works so well on Facebook and Instagram, right? So, 
when you're looking at the concept of being bingeable and being binge-worthy and having content at, that makes people want to consume more of you and stay on your profile, the platforms are designed for you to be able to do that. So really, if you do your content marketing well, you should be somebody that people want to consume more of you, right? Um, your in your content market, I've got some notes, that's why I keep looking down, but your content marketing strategy is also front and center of what you do on Facebook and Instagram. You know, con- content marketing on social media is an ongoing process. It's something we do week in, week out, month in, month out. To keep your brand alive on the platforms, you have to be continually, you know, continually doing content marketing and that's what works on the platform that's what moves people through the client journey and eventually obviously gets them to purchase from you so there's there's two parts of content marketing which really is just is a very simplistic way of looking at it and two components of content marketing there's one which is that kind of it's like how do you stand out right and I kind of call that the pattern disruptor. Um, I call that, you know, it, it's like, you know, what gives you that, you know, digital cut through is what you might hear some other people say. But that kind of pattern disruptor, that stand, that thing that makes you stand out, that thing that makes people stop and look at your post or consume your content or go, hmm, yeah, maybe I do want to listen to this person or maybe I do want to see a little bit more about what they sell or maybe I do want to, you know, um, consume a little bit more about, you know, or, or see a little bit more about what this brand is about. So there's that part of it, right? But I feel like social media has become a platform like Facebook and Instagram. I feel like they've just become platforms where all people are doing is pattern disrupting. And that's, that's where we, we start to see, and you guys might notice this as well, and I know I've definitely noticed a lot of it lately, there's lots of shooting. You know, there's always people telling you, you have to do this system, it's the only way that you're going to make money. Um, you know, lots of fear-based tactics are around that kind of pattern disrupting, right? You know, making people feel like what they sell is the only way that you can look good or feel good or be successful or move to that next stage of your life that you want to get to, right? So there's a lot of pattern disrupting. It feels like too that a lot of this kind of pattern disrupting sort of content is really loud, like it's really loud on the platform, right? And it's because they're busy. People want to stand out. They want to stop people in their tracks and they want people to watch them. They want people to pay attention. But I feel like that there's a lot of um, emphasis at the moment on that part of the content marketing strategy is constantly pattern disrupting. And it gets a bit exhausting. Like I know I get exhausted from it. I feel like it's um, information overload. I feel like sometimes I feel like Facebook or Instagram, particularly Facebook, I find it a lot. But um, sometimes I feel like it's like you feel like you're being shouted at by everybody (laughs) on social media, right? Do this. Come with me. Buy this. Follow me. Um, go do this giveaway. Like it just feels sometimes like everyone's shouting at you on social media. And and I call that's where the pattern disrupting comes in. And it works, right? It works because it stops people in their tracks and it gets them to look at what you're doing. But you don't just want to stop people and have them look at that one post. You want to keep them there. 
right? So yes, we need to be able to have that digital cut through and we need to be able to stand out. We need people to be able to go, oh, that's a cool post. That's piqued my interest. Or, oh, that's an interesting topic for a live stream. Or, oh, look at those really cool new um, products that so-and-so's got into their shop. Like you want to you want to stop people and have them be interested and you want to have that pattern disruptor, particularly on feed. Like when people are scrolling, you want to capture their attention. But one of the key things with social media, particularly these days, is the length of time on profile. The longer that someone stays on your profile, the longer that they consume you, the more content of yours that they engage with and start to consume, the faster that they will buy from you. So I feel like there's a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of um, attention focused on, um, and a lot of energy given to pattern disrupting content that's designed for you to basically almost wrap someone up to buy from you in one post. I feel like that's it, it's. It's like become very noisy like that. Hey, Jules, how are you? Um, And what I want to talk about today is the concept of, of, of not just doing that and the concept of entering into a conversation with your audience that is that transcends one post, right? It transcends that pattern disrupting post. It transcends that one Instagram story. It also stops you relying on like viral content. It stops you relying on a lot of those um, nitty gritty top of the top of the iceberg stuff that we spoke about yesterday. Because if you're constantly relying on disrupting that pattern to have people take notice of you, then you're only usually focusing on the tip of the iceberg. And that's why when you rely just on pattern disrupting content, you can then get very focused in top level stuff like your hashtags and your bios and how many Instagram stories do I do? And, um, you know, you worry about your grid and all those sort of things. Whereas if you're focused on, you know, with your content, if you focus on inviting them in, to your home, basically, to have this long-term conversation with you that they can continue to connect with you with, that the longer that they will hang around and consume your content for, the more of your content they will consume, and then the faster they will buy from you. Because when they people start to binge on your content or they start to consume more of your content, a couple of things happen they start to form a better relationship with you. And the faster that people build a relationship with you, the sooner they make a decision about whether or not they're going to buy from you, right? And that's okay whether they do or they don't. If they don't, then you're not their person. You keep moving on, right? If you are, awesome. And when you're stuck in that kind of pattern disrupting content, that loud, you know, I want you to take notice of me content, it's, it's almost like you're standing out there at the front of your shop but you're not inviting anybody into the shop. Whereas your content marketing, when done really well and done really strategically, invites people into your shop. It it makes them take notice. You know, you are standing out there, you invite them in, but you're inviting them into the shop and you're having this beautiful conversation with them. And the more that you can converse with your audience on a deeper level than that surface level, hey, come and take notice of me, or this is what you can buy from me, 
the longer they will hang around, the more content they will consume and the faster they will decide whether or not they want to purchase from you. The other thing too is once um, you start to become someone that people buy into more and start to binge more on your content is that they'll start to consume more of you on other places. Now, you've probably heard me say before that Facebook and Instagram, like social media, it's like it's the starting block of your relationship. The sales are made somewhere else, right? They're made on your website or they're made from a discovery call or they're made on email or um, from a sales page. They're not made specifically. The transaction doesn't happen on social media. Now, I do believe that will change. Like we've got Facebook shops coming out and I do believe, you know, digital products and services will have the capability to do that on platform more than we do now. Um, But for now, that's, that's, you know, that's where we're at, right? It'll be interesting to see where we are. And the more that people can consume you on different platforms, again, the faster that they will make that purchase decision. So if people are consuming your content more and more and more and they're buying into it and they're engaging with it, they're more likely to go to your website and check you out. They're more likely to DM you and ask you a question. They're more likely to email you and ask you a question. They're more likely to book a discovery call. They're more likely to comment and engage with you. So this whole concept of binge-worthy content is about not just standing out there with your pattern disruptor going, hey, come look at me, come and see what I sell, I'm so awesome, you know, with your loudspeaker. It's not just about that. It's about inviting them in, in through the front door to come into your shop and, you know, social media, your pages are your shop front and, and just talking to them. Now, that can be a really hard concept that can be quite tangible for people to think about. But really, when you think about it, if you're creating content every day, and most people post weekly, a few times a week, some people post daily, really what you're doing is just creating a long-term conversation with people, right? And I was on a... um, doing a masterclass for my membership this morning. We did a video marketing masterclass. And I was saying that, you know, depending on when people find you, right, depending on where they are in their purchase journey, someone might find you when they're ready to buy something, right? And that relationship can be really, really short. So say, for example, someone was like, oh, I want to buy a social media course. And someone said, you need to go check out Stacey. She's got a membership. It's awesome. She jumps onto my page, has a look maybe at a couple of videos, goes, yep, this chick's exactly what I need, buys it, off she goes straight away. That could happen in 10 minutes. But it's because they found me when they were in the mode to make a purchase. Some people don't find you when they're in that mode. Sometimes they come across you in their feed. The algorithms fed you up to them. Maybe you're doing a Facebook ad. Maybe you've been on a podcast or a guest blog or someone's shouted you out in an Instagram story and they go, oh, this person's cool. I'm going to follow them. But they're not necessarily ready to buy yet. So that conversation can take a little bit of time. And when they follow you, you invite them in and you have that long-term conversation with them and eventually they make that decision about um you know, whether or not they want to buy from you. So the concept of being binge-worthy and having that kind of bingeable content is really powerful because it's really all about storytelling and it's about telling stories. And there's a really great quote that um, I, I shared in the masterclass this morning for the members from Seth Godin that says, marketing is no longer about the stuff you make, it's about the stories you tell. And I think the more that we can embrace storytelling as just a part of marketing and stop doing billboard style posts or 
blog style posts all the time or just talking at people or shooting on our audience or you know basically trying to drag them over and go you need to buy from me now like if we can stop doing that so much and embrace storytelling more it's a really more like it's a really feminine way of marketing um it gets much better results a lot faster and it builds better connections with people right and also too the platforms are really set up for you to have binge-worthy content like some of the features on platform actually make that happen faster so if you look at hey Deb how are you um, if you look at like Instagram TV you can create series with Instagram TV where um, you might have say five videos talking about a specific product or a specific service or um, specific tips or something like I'm going to put all of these videos from these three days into a series labeled socials with soul right and what it does is when someone's watched that one video it feeds them up the next video in that series so you know there's so many ways that you could use that and we talked about that in the video marketing masterclass today too Um, stories Instagram stories are basically storytelling (laughs) they're constant ever flowing pieces of content that live in the top of your feed like they're basically set up to be like they're storytelling in its you know in its in a beautiful like quickly consumable content podcasting is another great one um you know so that's not on platform but you know I've got a podcast so I always think of it when you know things like this come up so the, but the platforms are really set up with heaps of features that allow you to be binged on. And people like to binge. Like look at what people do on Netflix. Like I love nothing more than sitting down on a Sunday afternoon with a wine at, you know, sometime early in the afternoon and just binging on a TV show. So actually sometimes like my decision on whether or not I decide to start watching a TV show on Netflix or Stan is the fact that they've got like three or four seasons that I can watch because I don't want to get through one season and that to be it. I love having more than one season that I can binge on. It's also why I love trilogies because I often get to the end of a movie that I really love and I go, I want more. I want more than that, right? So we are as humans also kind of programmed to enjoy doing that. So if your audience like to do it, give it to them, right? Um, and also, like I said before, social media is just really set up for you to be a storyteller because of the nature of the fact that content marketing is exactly what you do on it all the time. All right. So how, how then, how do you get people to want to like keep consuming you all the time and keep consuming your content all the time? How do you get people to do that? So there's three points I'm going to make. But the key of all of them is the content has to connect with your audience, right? It's got to connect with them because people buy on emotion. And particularly if your audience is women, if you're not connecting with them emotionally, then you're you're missing out 100%. I'm just going to have a sip of water, guys. I always get really thirsty when I talk (laughs) talk a lot. Um, All right, so the first point is, Number one, to have a clearly defined client profile. And I know I've spoken about this a lot before, um, but I always like to go over it again because I find that people still don't have one that's clearly defined. Um, People still don't want to get that deep for some reason or another. 
And I think there's still a perception out there that the more people you can serve, that the more money you can make. And that's not necessarily the case either. Um, and I'll talk about generalist versus specialist in, um, in a minute. But when we're talking about client profiling, there's also a tendency, and again, if you look at the iceberg analogy, and I talked about that yesterday where we often live on social media worrying about tactics and little things to try and be found instead of focusing on the core foundations that actually are going to make us successful. So if you look at that analogy, the, the iceberg analogy, um, hey, Chantel, how are you going? Um, that demographics, if you're looking at your client profile, the demographics is that tip of the iceberg and that's where most people live. So when I ask most people, what's your client profile? It'll be like, oh, it's women age 35 to 45 and they live here and they've got two children and they work at this kind of job and blah, 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 right? Well, that's all demographical information. Your client profile goes a lot deeper than that stuff. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's the stuff that sits above the surface. All the other things underneath the surface that most people aren't tapping into. And this is the stuff that I work with my clients through. It's what I you know, teach everyone in my membership. And I've done it in a few other trainings free in this group as well. Um, is there's three other parts of the client profile that I like to talk about. And that's the social profile, emotional profile, and behavioral profile. And those three parts are, are these things. So the emotional profile will be like, what is their challenge? What are the, what's the thing that's holding them back that your product or service or what you teach them solves? Um, what's the outcome of that? Like, how do they feel? How do you, how does it feel for them? What, what's the impact you have on their life? And we spoke about this yesterday. So this is some stuff you should already know from what we did yesterday. Some other things as well in their emotional profile will be their values. You know, so what are some of the things that they, you know, what are their values that they hold really dear? What are some of their belief systems? Those sort of things will be in their emotional profile. Um, you know, emotional profile isn't about, you know, whether they cry a lot or not. It's about, you know, what makes them tick as a person, right, as a human being, not just as flesh but as a, a, a living, breathing human being with, with, with emotions, right? Um the next one is their behavioral profile. So this is things like, you know, what would they be doing on a daily basis? You know, and this is going to, you know, some of this is going to be led by their demographics. So, you know, if they've got kids, do their kids do sports? So are they likely to be the, the mum that's sitting on the sidelines every Saturday cheering their children on at sport? I say that because that's what I do all the time. Um, you know, or are they someone who does music lessons or who travels a lot or who likes to, um, you know, restore old furniture or, um, you know, do they work in a specific industry? Do they, you know, are they tra people that travel? Do they live in their caravan? Like what, what are some of the things that they're doing every single day? Where do they shop? You know, where would they shop for their clothes or for their food? And again, some of that then is going to be driven by that emotional profile because, you know, if, for example, you sell eco-friendly um, skincare, then one of your audience's values is going to be eco-friendly, um, you know, things that aren't, you know, maybe tested on animals, maybe it's vegan skincare, um, you know, maybe it's that sort of conscious living, maybe they want, maybe then they'll want to know about your sustainability practices or something like that, right? So 
the behavioral profile about where they shop is that they're going to shop with brands that fill that need, right? So what are those brands? So if you sell eco-friendly skincare, what are some other brands that they may shop with? Maybe they might shop at like Flannery's or something, or they might buy their clothes from a specific person who makes clothes that are also eco-friendly or made from bamboo or something like that. Like I'm just throwing things out there. So, but you know, you can see where I'm going here. And this is stuff that a lot of, a lot of people don't think about. And it's also sometimes not things that some marketers will get you to think about your ideal client either. But when you do, it helps you in so many aspects of what you do. It doesn't just help you with your content. It'll help you when you're going to create um, audiences for Facebook ads. Like this helps you with so many things. Like it's so powerful to understand this stuff. Um, I can see your question, Jules. I'll just, um, I'll cover off this last bit and then I'll get to that question. The last part is the social profile. And when I say social profile, what I mean is what do they do online and where do they hang out? So, and are they hanging out in groups maybe that aren't online? Are they in mums and bubs groups? Are they in physical in-person networking groups? Are they part of, I don't know, a union or a musical group or uh, scouts or something like that? But then also online, where do they hang out? Is their primary pro, like is the primary place that they like to hang out Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn? Or do they like to consume podcasts? Do they like to read blogs? Do they like to watch video content? Like what's the social profile of your audience? And then if you go even further from that, when are they likely to be online? What sort of content do they like to consume? Okay, and then that is going to help you create better content. Because if your audience, so for example, one of the one of the main reasons I decided to start a podcast was because my audience are business people who are consuming podcasts and it's because they're busy. They don't have a lot of time to sit down and consume a 10,000, 5,000-word blog, but they've got time while they're driving to listen to a podcast. And you know, and so I did a lot of research. I knew that it was working because other people were doing business podcasts, so I knew it worked anyway. But for me, that was like it was a no-brainer for me to start a podcast. Now, podcasting might not be in any of your guys, you know, realms, but, you know, live video or video is just just as good. People don't necessarily have to watch video anymore. They'll put videos on and listen to them while they're driving. I do that when I'm driving. I'll put on like a course that I'm doing and listen to the video. I'll be like, oh, that's a cool live stream and I'll save it and I'll come back to it and I'll watch it, listen to it later when I'm driving. So that can have the same power. It's just hosted obviously on your social media platforms. Um, So thinking about their social profile. So where are they? What parts of the platform? What type of content do they like to consume? When are they likely to be online? All those sorts of things. So Jules has said, is it okay to post to different profiles depending on what you're focusing on? So do you mean like posting certain content on Instagram and then certain content, say, on Facebook or maybe different content on LinkedIn? Do you mean like tailoring your content to different social platforms? I'm assuming that's what you mean. So, um, But I've just thought I'd double check before I actually answer that. Um, While I wait for you to answer, I will move on to point number two. So point number two was don't be afraid to niche. Um, Sal, I do that with courses too, listen to them while I'm driving. And I think, you know, and I think that's a really good point. I'll not move on to point number two. (laughs) I'll go back to that. Is 
that's a really good point because that's meeting people where they're at. So I do a lot of content where I talk, mostly because I can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles and I find it far easily easier just to pick up and speak than I do, even though I write really well, I find it it's it's laborsome for me to type things out. I find it just so much easier just to speak. But that also meets my audience where they're at too because they can then tune into my content a lot easier, right? So whereas maybe your audience write are more better off reading blogs, maybe they prefer to do that, right? And then maybe you need to think about how you can make that happen better. Like that's just an idea, right? Um, but yeah, I love, I do that too, Sal, all the time. I love it. Absolutely love just, you know, chucking on a course. It helps me bash through my courses actually. And I was always one of those people that would buy courses and then sometimes not finish the content, which is crazy because I create courses, right? <laughs> crazy. But what I do is I put on the stuff and I'll listen to it when I'm going for my morning walk and that, and then I'll come home and then I might, you know, while I'm having my coffee or my smoothie, then I'll do some of the workbooks and stuff. So it also helps me get through that content, um, which is really cool. Voice texts have changed my life. Voice texts have changed my entire life. And that's even why I've introduced um, Voxer support into the membership as well. So I used to only have as a membership add-on a one-on-one coaching session, which people could buy for an extra price. Now I do Voxer support too, because that, again, it's another thing that's easy for me. I can send a quick voice message when I'm in the waiting for my kids to get home from school or when I'm, you know, waiting for the, one of the kids to run over to the car or when I'm, you know, waiting in the checkout line somewhere, I can quickly send voice text or type something out. Whereas, you know, having to always be available to be on Zoom isn't necessarily always achievable for me. Um, and it's not always achievable for my audience either. So adding that in has been another game changer for me as well. Um, so that's just a step up from the voice text. You know, I've actually turned that into, you know, a, a something that people can buy, which a lot of people do that. I'm certainly not unique in that. And I didn't, I got that idea from somebody else. So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. Jules, I will get back to that question, Jules. Um, different topics or themes that have different audiences. So if I go back to, is it okay to post to different profiles depending on what you're focusing on? So I'm thinking what you mean there is, you're wanting to, to post different types of content on your same profile to appeal to different people. I'm, I'm getting the impression that's what you mean. Like you'd rather appeal to different, like a few different people, but from the one, um, the one profile. I mean, you make candles, right? So I think definitely, yes, you can appeal to different people and subsets of your niche in your content. But they've all gone, they all have to have something similar that binds them together, right? So there's always got to be something similar in that thread that binds them together. So whether it be, it could be the type of candle you create is the thing that they value the most. Or is it that the sensory um, experience that they have is what binds them together? So that's going to be something that continually comes out in your content, how it makes them feel, Right. I know for me, I have lots of sub-niches in my audience because my audience is small business people, but I have lots of sub-niches. So sometimes I'll talk to one specific type of person with a specific problem, but not necessarily that's going to be everybody. But 
my audience generally have similar pain points and similar issues that will be solved with my solution. But sometimes, yes, I will talk to different sub-niches. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you definitely can. But just remember, and this probably leads in actually really nicely to talk about specialist versus generalist. So definitely you can talk to your sub-niches in your messaging and in your content. Um but just be aware not to over become an overgeneralist. So a generalist is someone who wants to sell everything to everybody. And we can't all do that, right? So Jules, you make candles. They're beautiful. I've got one of yours just sitting over there. It smells amazing. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, we've arranged, you know, I'm going to buy some from you and give them to my members and things like that, right? So I think there's always going to be and there has to be a main type of person that you want to work with, right? And that's being the specialist. So it doesn't mean to say that you can't serve all those other people. It just means that you focus on the person that you you want to send your messaging to. So like an example of that would be that, I can teach basic Facebook ads. I can teach Facebook ads, not like super complex funnels, but I can definitely teach the basics. I don't focus on that on my front line, on my Instagram page and my Facebook page because I don't want to be known as the Facebook ads girl. I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for creating the selling system and the organic stuff and, you know, building relationships. I want to be known for that. Um, But I can do that. And I will still get inquiries for people that want to learn how to do Facebook ads, even though I hardly talk about them. It's because they buy into me on the feed from all the other things. So yes, you might say, and um, this might not even be like exactly what you're talking about, Jules, but it would be an example of that would be with your type of business as someone who makes candles would be trying to target like events, people that do events and and um, people to put candles in their businesses as opposed to promoting people who buy candles for personal use. So there's, you know what I mean? So that would be like a um, trying to do both is really, really, would be really hard. You'd, ha- you'd really need to focus on one of those niches um, and you're going to pick up the low-hanging fruit from the other ones as you go. Um, so, yeah, so that leads in really nicely to talk about specialist versus generalist. And when you're talking about having binge-worthy content and people wanting to continually consume you, you have to be the person that they seek to solve their problem. And they're not going to know that you do that if you're a generalist. So people get really scared to niche. And here's something I'll I'll tell you about niching, guys. Niching doesn't mean that you can't serve the other people. It just means that your messaging is focused on that one specific person and on that one specific message. Because the clearer your message is, the easier it is to attract the masses and the easier it is to attract the people. And you will attract the people that want that one thing that you've got. You will also attract other people that will want the other things that you can do too. And they just buy into you because they like your brand and they like what you offer and they like your personality and they like, you know, all those other things and your values and your company values, which all the things we talked about yesterday. Um, But 100% being, you know, if you had to, if you could choose the specialist path, choose the specialist path. It's like, if I was 
looking for a naturopath to take my child to because they couldn't sleep well at night, I would go to the naturopath that specializes in child behavioral issues over the naturopath that tells me that she can help everybody. So that's the difference between specialist and generalist. And usually in your industry, you've, there's, there's lots of different specialties in every single industry, right? In social media, there's heaps of specialties. There's some people that focus just on Instagram, just on Facebook, on paid advertising, on Pinterest, on LinkedIn, um, on organic marketing, on Facebook groups, um, on just creating content, like that's super niche, right? Um, on just copywriting for social media, that's again, super niche. Like, you know, there's, um, you know, there's so many different ways that you can become a specialist. And I guess if you don't have the clarity around that, then that's exactly what I do in the membership is to help you get clarity on that. Um, and, you know, and that's where, you know, the add-ons like Voxer and one-on-one, if you need those sort of things, it's not just an online membership. You get actually one-on-one access to me if you need it as well. That's what I actually help people to do. And that's where I start. So, you know, if you're still struggling with those things, we can work through that stuff together. Then that really helps with offer clarity and content marketing too. All right. The third, um, thing that you can do. So the third thing that you can do to help be help you become someone that people want to binge on um, is your content, obviously. So um, where on the platform are you showing up? Are you showing up on the right places? So if you go back to the social profile of your audience, where are they hanging out? What content do they like to consume? Are you filling that need? Because if you're showing up on YouTube and your audience isn't on YouTube, then there's no point you having a YouTube channel, right? Some I know some expert probably told you that it's great for SEO and all these things, but if you're just doing it for the sake of feeding a machine, you're wasting your time. If your audience is on Instagram, show up on Instagram. <laughs> now, I know Sal, you and I last time uh, we spoke, you were saying that, you know, your audience is mostly on LinkedIn and Facebook, so that's where you spend your time. You've still got a placeholder on Instagram. You've still got a brand on there because you've still got people in your audience that like that platform, but you get the best results out of those two, and that's okay. It's about knowing that. When you know it, it empowers you to show up there, and that's the key part of that. It's also like you know investing in um, a massive Facebook Live strategy when your audience don't want to consume Facebook Lives, when they're better off you being in stories and being on your feed, you know? So where on the platform is your audience and show up on those places. Um, the next is to meet the immediate need um, that you solve. So what is the, the thing that you do for them? What's the problem or the challenge or the pain point that you solve? What is the way that you change their life and make their life better? So you need to show up on the platforms where they are You need to tell them how you help them so they can clearly see it on your bio, in your content, on your About Me page, everywhere. Then you need to share how you relate to them past that. And that's usually where people start to, the wheels start to fall off for a lot of people, is that they don't look at content that shows how they relate to their audience past the initial thing that they do, right? So... I guess the way I could probably describe it is people don't want to buy a feed that's an infomercial. They don't want to buy an infomercial. People don't want to buy infomercials. 
they want on social media, people want someone to follow. They want a journey to buy into and a movement to join. So I'm just going to say those three things again because they're really powerful. When they wrote them down, I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe that just came out of me. But it was like, so on social media, people want someone to follow, a journey to buy into and a movement to join. So are you giving your audience that? Now, if some of you are sitting there and this is bringing up some things like maybe you could be sitting there listening to it and you could be saying to yourself something like, I'm not big enough for that. I'm just new at business, so I'm not ready for that. I'm not good with words. I'm not like insert someone in that's your competition right here. So comparing yourself to other people. Um, What's some other stories? Who's online? Maybe maybe you guys could um, spit out some stories that you tell yourself about um, how you can't be one of those people. You know, maybe it's just that you're not one of those people. I'm not one of those people. I can't be like you, Stacey. I can't just pick up a live stream and start talking. You know, um, you know what is it? Is it that you your limiting belief could be around you're self-conscious about the way you look and you don't want to show up on video or you don't like the sound of your own voice or you've got some imposter syndrome going on or something? There's so many, so many reasons why you can sit there and say, well, I'm not big enough to be someone that people you know, want to buy into. I don't have a movement that people want to join. I'm not talking about you having this massive, big, you know, movement like, um, you know, like I would call a big movement like, um, oh, what was that lady? She did that, um, the embrace, embrace your body or something. Oh, what was her name? I can't remember her now, but you know, um, oh, maybe someone will be able to spit that into the comments in a sec, but, um, you know, things like, you know, that's like a big movement that people buy into. It was embrace something. Embrace yourself. Um, I can't quite remember. What was it? Taryn Brumford, I think her name was. What was it? She had the movie. She had a movie. Um, it was all about body image. Like that's a big movement, right? I'm not talking about you starting a huge movement. I'm just talking about you guys giving your people someone to follow and someone to buy into and someone that they can go on a journey with, Right. Fear, uh, Michelle, this is called the fear of someone challenging you that they'll say you're wrong. That's big. Yeah, totally. I get Actually, I get that too. I do feel that a lot sometimes. I feel like particularly when I'm going deep into stuff like this, sometimes I feel like people will be like, you know, who are you to be talking about this sort of mindset stuff? Who are you to be going so deep? You're a social media coach. You should be just talking about hashtags. Sometimes I feel like that. But I know in here, this is the stuff I coach my clients on all the time. So why am I not talking about it on the front line? I should be talking about it on the front line because this is where I have the most impact. It's 100% where I have the most impact. But I'm hiding it away and saving it um, just for people that buy from me because I'm too afraid sometimes to show it on the front line. So I totally get that. I totally get that. And that, that's a big thing. I think a lot of people will probably resonate with that. Totally. Um, So if you are telling yourself some of those stories, then I just want you to know um, stories, they're just stories, right? And you're telling yourself these stories to hold yourself back. 
You are 100% telling yourself these stories to hold yourself back. And the reason for that is it's to keep you safe, right? Our bodies are biologically designed. Our minds, brains are biologically designed to keep us safe. So when we have to go and do something that's uncomfortable for us, the little voices in our head say, no, 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 don't do that. Come back into the cave where it's nice and safe. Stay in here. You just keep posting your same posts that you do every week, love, because that's safe for you. You know how to do that. Someone showed you how to do that and that's really easy to do, right? Your, those little voices in your head don't want you to step outside your comfort zone and start talking to your audience about other things that might make you connect with them on a deeper level because that's where you're, out, you're teetering out on a little ledge that maybe you haven't teetered out to before. And that's scary because all the fears come up. And you have those fears because your body, your mind, your mind and your brain, they're a wonderful, beautiful mechanism that are designed to keep you safe, right? So we can't deny our bodies what what we naturally want. We've got to respect that. We've got to respect that about ourselves and our own intuition. But we've also got to recognize when it's just stories. And we've got to recognize when it is a story, when it's a limiting belief and when it's a, something that we're telling ourselves that isn't necessarily true so that we can work through that to step up to the next level that we need to to be successful. Lauren, everything you're saying makes sense. Yay, I love that you love it, Lauren. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think like I did a live in the group last week where I was talking about social media and mindset and how they are so intrinsically connected And they are intrinsically connected because when you're showing up online, you're putting a part of your heart out to the world, right? Your business for a lot, and particularly for us women, our businesses are our babies. And it's like putting ourselves and our babies out into the big wide world, our little chick out into the big wide world to go and fend, you know, out where there could be snakes and things that are, you know, unsafe. So it's, again, we're naturally designed, chemically designed to try and keep ourselves safe. But we have to recognize sometimes when that's going into overdrive and when we need to take a step back and go, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? Like, honestly, it's a social media post. There is nothing really that bad that can happen. You can delete it if you want to. Like if you have a post that doesn't go well, that makes you feel crappy because no one engages with you, you can freaking delete it if you want to. Right. And to be honest, if anyone out there that's worrying and fearful about having like trolls or any of those things, they're the minority. They are not the majority. That is such a minority thing. And it's usually only with people that are creating content that's really polarizing. Um, And I know most of you guys aren't doing that. You're just trying to promote your business. You're just trying to engage with your audience and build a connection. Right. So don't let those fears hold you back. Um. Michelle, I've been challenged often. It's hard, but there's often reasons for them challenging us. It's not a reflection of us. It's insecurity, stubbornness. They're not actually your ideal client, fear of competition. When we've helped so many clients and we know from experience, then we have to push through the fear and do it anyway. Totally, 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 totally. Rachel, I feel shouted at on social media all the time. It's intense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same old selling tactic. I know, social media feels really shouty, really shouty sometimes, hey? Um, But yeah, I think it's, it's important to acknowledge that what we do, particularly when you're marketing your own business, if you'd outsource this, you can just go, okay, here you go, this is your problem, not mine. There you go, social media manager, 
There you go, digital agency. Your problem, it's, you're handing the reins over. You can hand over that it's their fault if something goes wrong, right? But, but when you're doing it yourself, there is a lot of your own mindset and fear that's wrapped up in what you're doing, 100%. And if you guys think that I don't get onto a live some days and like have total fear, you're kidding yourself. If you don't think that I sometimes don't feel the fear of who's going to like this podcast episode because I talk too much about my emotions then you're kidding yourself. But I also know that those posts, those lives, those podcast episodes are the ones that my audience connect with the most. And they're the ones that I form the strongest connections from. So even though it, it can be scary for me, it's worth, it's worth working through that fear. And I think if you can learn to recognize which fears are the ones you need to work through, then that's when you'll have really powerful um, breakthroughs too because it's not always about working through every fear. Some fears are there for a reason. But a lot of the time the reason we're not showing up online is silly stories that we're telling ourselves, 100%. All right. So um, it definitely takes courage to build a brand online, inspiration, dedication, and mastery. It, to be a success on social media, you need to have mastery of your, client, your craft and your client. 100%. You need to have mastery of your craft and mastery of who it is that you serve. You need to know them so intimately that you could basically like describe every part of them in your sleep. You need to step up and be someone people will want to follow. And when you do, more people will share you, more people will engage with you, and more people will buy from you. All right. Now, I will put a little caveat on this. This is not about you always being in your feed and you being on live stream like me all the time. I don't want any of you to think that you have to go and do what I'm doing. It's not about that. I do this because I'm a coach and I know that you guys need to see me to experience me and want to work with me, right? I have to put myself out there that way. For other people, putting yourself out there may not necessarily be jumping on 500 million live streams all the time, right? It might be other ways. It might be really beautiful blog style posts. It might be showing up on stories regularly. Um, there's a number of different ways. It could be just the storytelling that you create. And maybe you're just way more comfortable with getting some brand photos taken and doing it on your feed that way with text and image. So, you know, there's a number of different ways. You don't necessarily have to do it all like this. It doesn't have to be this way. There's many different ways you can show up for your audience. Um, okay, homework. I have got some homework. Um been at it for ooh, almost an hour now. So I've got some homework for you guys. So number one, I want you to do a content audit. And what I want you to do is I want you to go through some of your content. I want to ask yourself, are you speaking to your ideal client or are you just, are you just being there to to just like, are you just being there to have that digital cut through? Are you just being there to, um, to kind of just to get their attention? Or are you actually speaking to your ideal client? Or are you being too general? Right? So are you trying to, no, so I mixed up both of those questions. So when you're doing a content audit, are you speaking to your ideal client? Or are you being too general? So are you niched enough? And is your messaging speaking to your niche? Or is it speaking to the masses? Right? Are you trying to rely on pattern disrupting? So are you are you relying too much on content that just stops them scrolling and you're not relying on content that actually makes them stay there and engage with you? So yes, the pattern disrupting content will get them to stop in their tracks and talk to you, 
um, and, and look at you, but you need them to want to stay and talk. Okay, it's one thing to stop someone in the street. It's another thing to have them stop and actually talk to you. That's the difference between binge-worthy content and pattern-disrupting content. Pattern disruptors will get them to stop. Binge-worthy content gets them to stay. So you're relying too much on just trying to get them to stop. And if you don't know what I mean by that, go back and listen to the beginning of the live because <laughs> I talk about it there. Or potentially are you hiding behind your feed and not showing up enough? Does your content do these things? Does it show up where they are on the platform or are you just relying on your feed? Or are you, you know, doing too many, too much of one type of content and not enough of another? You know, maybe you need to do more video. Maybe you need to do more stories. Maybe you need to do more blogs. Like, you know, could be a number of different things. Are you sharing your immediate way that you help them. So again, that will work on the generalist versus specialist thing. So are you sharing how they can, what they can buy from you and how you help them? And is that message really, really, really clear? Or is it a bit murky because you're not sharing that because you're too scared to sell? Are you not sharing that because you haven't niched enough and your messaging isn't clear enough? Um, oh, my cat is just having a moment here. Um, are you showing them that you can relate to them? past that thing that you do for them. So a really good example of that would be a post that I did yesterday where I said, um, are you too afraid to show up on your feed? And here's how what you can do to get over that. Now, all my photographer friends really loved that. <laughs> and it didn't necessarily relate that much to social media. Well, it does in a sense because I, you know, I know everyone needs to show up on their feed, but um, it wasn't necessarily, there was no CTAs on it. It was just value-based content, but it it got a lot of engagement. Like people were like, yes, I love that. Like, absolutely. You need to stop worrying about what other people think. And absolutely. You need to believe more in yourself. Like, you know, it was a really powerful post and it showed that I related to my audience past me teaching them how to use social media, because I know that getting out from behind your feed and showing up is something that is a challenge for most people. Cool. So go back and do your content audit. Now, if you want to have the prompts of all of this to look through, um, I'll put the link again to register for the Socials with Soul um, emails so that you'll get the replays sent and you'll get the workbook sent out. So you'll pop that in the caption when I'm done um, so you can get those. So if you want all of those, definitely let me know and um, I can send the replay out. It will get sent to you by email. This will be a, definitely a really good one for you guys to go back to and listen again. Probably a great one to listen to when you're driving in the car somewhere and you can embed um, embed this into, you know, embed it in there really deep. Um, I am going to put this on my podcast though. So for those of you that love podcasting, it won't go up this week, but it will be on there eventually. So you'll be able to listen to it there too. Um, so those are the three things I'll check back in tomorrow. Now, tomorrow's content is around being transactable. So that's around your selling system. And it's not, a, it, it, there's a real thing with selling these days. I think it's, we've got so many versions and images of selling that's really masculine, like, you know, the icky car salesman and that sort of thing. Um, and I really want to talk about your selling system and how to do that authentically. That's really client led. Um, and it's not a Nikki process. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. And then last thing is um, for those people that you're sitting here, you're listening to it and you're going, I just need more help. I need more. 
I need more of this. I need more of this coaching. I need more of this stuff to help me build my content plan, build my strategy. That's what the Social Collective membership is for. It's got lots of lessons, beautiful masterclasses on how to do all of this, all the feed planning, all the templates, all the caption crafting, all that stuff um, is, is in there. There's masterclasses on stories and reels. We did an awesome video marketing masterclass this morning. There's a strategy and content masterclass in there, email marketing. There's so much. There's so much content in there, guys, and that's what that is for. Plus, you get access to me. So you get access to me in the group coaching and also one-to-one if you choose any of the one-to-one add-ons, and they're at a heavily discounted price to what I offer them um, to anybody else. They're always, they're really heavily discounted for members. So as I said, there's one-to-one access to me in the one-to-one one-hour Zoom session and also in the Voxer support, which goes for a month. So if you guys want any more info about that, just shoot me through a DM. I'll also put the link to that in the caption as well. Um, And yeah, tomorrow we'll be talking about being transactable um, and I've got some bonuses for you guys as well. All right, guys, thanks for that. Just under an hour. Um, So that's good. Have an amazing day. If you've got anything else you want to add, pop it in the comments. And if you watched back the replay, thank you. Um, Tag me in any of your comments and I'll come back and answer your questions. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Social Hub Podcast. You can find the show notes for today's episode over at all the W's, the social hub forward slash podcast. And if you want to join me in my community and continue the conversation, jump over to Facebook and join the social media 101 Facebook group. Until then, stay classy.